0: You're listening to... So What? The podcast that explores why library and information science research matters.
1: We interview researchers about their work.
0: And they connect the dots between what they do and its importance to your life.
1: Okay, let's get on it.
0: Once again, to The Greatest Crossover. In this episode, we're tackling a very different topic. This time, we're going to be taking a look at privacy and computer security and kind of like, what are the major threats online and, you know, what exactly is it? What can you do? How can you protect yourself? What do malicious actors online want from you? All that kind of fun stuff. Today, I am joined by a very good friend of mine who cares very, very deeply about this stuff so much so that whenever they want to access certain applications, they have to completely change around how their browser functions. Uh, I don't know the details, but it is always very funny. Uh, they work in computer security. They are extremely knowledgeable. I would like to welcome Connor.
1: Hey, um, my name is Connor. Um, I work specifically as an ethical hacker currently, uh, which means I am paid to try and... Um, find security vulnerabilities in corporate environments uh,
0: yes and I believe you got your MA at UIT you did your undergrad in computer science and math and math I can't forget about the math
1: I, I'm a math nerd at heart um.
0: <laughs> tell me more about Euler
1: <laughs> <laughs> um yeah math and computer science just sort of led into like a love of cryptography which led into a love of security for me so that's how that went and then I did my master's degree on um, password guessing
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I guess like let's let's open with the discussion of like internet is more ubiquitous than ever uh, everybody's online everybody has some kind of presence online what? are the basic steps that you can think of just off the top of your head that normal average people can take to protect themselves online
1: first things first um have a strong password uh (laughs) i it's sort of what everyone recommends um because your password is your very first line of security for basically everything uh they are everywhere the downside is They are everywhere, which means you need to have a lot of them. Um, There was actually a study done a few years back where the average number of accounts that people had to keep track of passwords for was over 80.
0: Holy crap. Yeah,
1: um, so that's a problem, and the very common solution is to just create very easy to remember passwords, but easy to mm-hmm. remember passwords are often easy to break passwords as well. <laughs> yes. and, and, uh. <laughs> and
0: people, uh, one of the articles uh, that I looked at for this podcast, they, they talked about how like people will use the same password from multiple accounts. Yep. Uh,
1: that is super common.
0: Uh. <laughs> Guilty as charged for me personally. It's definitely something I'm like gradually fixing, but I've also done that.
1: I've encountered it in my work in corporate environments where I'll get someone's password through, like, a phishing campaign and then be able to use that password to, like, log into a server. Ooh. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man.
1: So, like, (laughs) people are not good at making and remembering passwords. So the general solution to that problem uh, is to get a password manager. There are lots of really good free ones on the market, like uh, Bitwarden or LastPass, and they'll generate passwords for you that are strong. Uh, and then you don't have to remember them. You just have to remember the one
0: password, password for, for your them. manager.
1: Yeah. Okay. Downside is that's putting all of your eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So obviously, if you have a password manager, that's going to be like target number one. If someone's trying to get into your accounts for any reason. Yeah. Um so I recommend putting most of your passwords on a password manager and your really important ones are the ones you make your own passwords for.
0: Ah, I see. Okay, so, yeah, yeah. So it's like So I have
1: like five passwords that I keep to myself, like my bank account password yes. and stuff like that. Um, and then like my YouTube my Google password, I don't care about that much. So it's on my password manager and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. 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 So the things where it's like, Oh, somebody gets into this like worst case scenario, it's not the end of the world. And then that way, you know, if you have 75 of those 80 websites on your passenger password manager, but like the five really, really important stuff, the things where it's like, Oh no, if they get into this, this is really, really bad. You have those separate. And then that way, if they get into your password manager, you're not, um, you're not completely boned
1: yeah um uh, I never thought th- I, my that main is, Google account is not on my password manager because that's the one I use as the like backup for all of my email accounts basically. hmm because you know often they'll be like set security things and one of them is a like backup email
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely because it's like, oh, if you've got your password, it's like send this password to my backup like the one I have linked to it. like I have that from between my Google and uh, my hotmail.
1: Yeah, so I have, like, I have like five high-value accounts that I don't put into my password manager personally. Mm-hmm. People may have more or less. Just, you know, password managers. They're great in general.
0: And, and are they generally free? Are they paid? Do you just go to their website and download them?
1: Um, it depends. Uh, the one I use is paid uh, because I'm neurotic like that. <laughs> um, but most people, like the, most of them are free. Um, Or have a free option that works perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. There are just for some functionalities that I want. They require you to pay for them. And also I'm neurotic. And also I appreciate I'm the kind of person who like pays for stuff that they care about.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, you know, you want to support people. Like when I'm done being a student, there's a couple free services that I, I use where I'm like, man, you better believe once I once I have a cash flow coming in, I'm I'm donating to these to these uh uh like the software makers. So no, I totally get it.
1: But yeah, um, LastPass and Bitwarden, two very good free ones. But well, take that with a grain of salt. Of like, keep your super duper important passwords probably off of them.
0: Hmm. That that seems like a strong system. I didn't think about that. Uh, Of like, yeah, no, like you can just put all your common stuff on a password manager and then, you know, your very important stuff you can like write down or have kind of separate. So let's go. Well, now say, say like for a password manager, what kind of benefits does like say paying for one get you like what, what extra services do you get?
1: Um, I, for the one that I use, it allows me to sync it between a bunch of my different devices using two different passwords. One's my master password, the one you use to log into it. And the other one is a secret one that they made that like, I don't directly have access to Mm
0: -hmm. and it exists.
1: Like I have to be logged into my password manager on one device in order to connect another device to my password manager. okay. Nice,
0: yeah that that's a pretty good pretty good service.
1: Yeah, so that's that's for one password. If anyone's curious, which one I use.
0: Uh, now I know, like some browsers, they basically have sort of password manager-y things. Like I know, like like I use Firefox as my main browser, and uh, when I log into certain things, they'll sometimes ask me of like, do you want to save this password or don't, um, don't do it, don't do we- it we can generate okay yeah yeah yeah, you answered my question which was (laughs) is that good worth doing how secure is that um but (laughs) um
1: everyone's already attacking your browser already uh that's just one of the the things that they attack constantly um the more things you store in your browser the more vulnerable you are to it getting breached
0: Mm. that makes sense okay
1: and also the a lot of the like saved passwords aren't securely saved i remember doing a very very simple proof of concept of how someone with access to a computer could take someone's saved password even if they aren't that user oh yeah
0: Okay. So you're here first. Uh, your browser asks you to save your password. Say no.
1: Don't do it. Don't do <laughs> say, it.
0: Say never ask me again.
1: Especially if you share that computer at all, or if you think someone might ever have access to that computer. Mm. Um, it's a little bit safer on your own personal computer because a lot of these vulnerabilities require some kind of interaction from you Physical, or someone yeah. to have access to your system.
0: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's like, yeah, if you're using any kind of semi-public terminal don't do it yeah uh so i guess like another security method for passwords that comes up often is two-factor authentication
1: two-factor authentication is uh great um and it's not great for the reasons you think it is because it doesn't actually help that much really two-factor if someone wants to get into your account is not that big of an obstacle someone will figure their way around it however What it does is it makes you, if someone's just spraying across a bunch of accounts, not worth their time.
0: Ah, it's just too much effort.
1: Yeah, like it'll take a couple days to get around multi-factor authentication. And if I'm trying to attack a thousand people and 700 of them have multi-factor authentication, I'm going to focus on the 300 that don't.
0: Yeah, because it's just easier for you to deal with that rather than being like, oh god, I have to circumvent this extra stuff where it's like you can do it but like why go through the extra effort
1: yeah exactly
0: because that that's the kind of logic that I've heard about like um why uh like phishing scams are so kind of blatant in that they're not trying to get people who are savvy they're trying to get people who are not savvy
1: Yeah. Explicitly.
0: (laughs) Like, like, they're like, like people go like, how does anybody ever fall for this? It's like, you're not the target. (laughs) Like you're not, you're not the person who they're, uh, they're, they're going after. They want like the easy marks, uh, because it's easier. It's easy for them to send out, you know, I don't know, like let's ballpark, like 10,000 emails. And if, you know, 9,000 of those are failures, but they have like a thousand big successes, then it's it's fine
1: that's still a lot of money
0: <laughs> oh yeah exactly like that's still a lot of money that's a lot of personal information that's a lot of all sorts of stuff um so that that's what I've. so it's basically like a large part of being secure as an average person online is from what i'm getting from you is be a pain in the ass yeah. <laughs> like maybe make, make it more effort than it is worth to deal with you
1: Well, that's the point of um, passwords, too, because every single password in the world could be brute-forced in time. Mm
0: -hmm. What you
1: want is for it to not be worth the time. So say something will um, cost like a million dollars to crack a password, but there's only like $500,000 worth of value in cracking that password. I'm not going to bother.
0: Yeah. So I I guess uh, uh, one extra question would be like, what is a strong password?
1: So you' there's the general advice of like have a long password with numbers and uppercase and lowercase and mm-hmm. symbols and stuff like that, but a strong password that is human memorable is very was very difficult to make for a very long time. Um, we're getting a lot better at it with the introduction of something called passphrases.
0: Oh, what exactly is that?
1: The way passphrases works is you take a phrase. The longer, the better. That is memorable to you and kind of individual to you in particular. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Uh, Let me just take to be or not to be, because this is a very common one that people use for examples. Mm -hmm. Um, You can turn the twos into the number two. You can use a capital B for B. Uh. Um, You can like you just augment the phrase somehow and you take certain letters of it and you Remove other letters of it. Um, like I've yeah, had. I'm, s- I'm. I'm
0: thinking about the password that you left at our place. Y-
1: yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Very memorable.
1: And kisses and kisses.
0: <laughs> but who knows how it actually is?
1: Yeah. Good luck getting that Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah. Um. Another common one I use. I sometimes will put like, if I have um. I'll put, like, two sentences back-to-back that don't necessarily mean anything, and I'll put, like, an ellipses between them or something like that.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah, Because ellipses
1: are not very common in most people's passwords and stuff like
0: that. I've never used one in mine.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, I love, I hate using exclamation point uh, because it's such a commonly used symbol. Um, I use pipe a lot. If you know which character pipe is, it is um, the one above the enter key. But if it's shifted, the like straight ah uh, yeah bar. yeah yeah
0: yeah the the straight bar yeah yeah
1: yeah I love using that one a lot. I use that one for like splitting sentences or in place of like say where a comma would be in a phrase.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I've used pipe when I put commands into a command prompt.
1: Yep, sometimes. Yeah, that-
0: Mainly what it's for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, as soon as you said pipe, I was like, that sounds really familiar. Like, I've definitely used that before. Yeah. But I couldn't remember where on my keyboard it was. But yeah, so so try try to use, like, if you're if you're using special characters, try to pick ones that are used less often. I'm assuming, ex- like, as you're saying, exclamation marks are big ones. Yeah. Are there any other ones that are just, like, very commonly used where it's like, try not to use those ones?
1: Um, Like, dollar sign can be used a lot. For like S or for money, at mm-hmm. is used a lot for A's, mm-hmm. stuff like that, because we like things that sort of look similar to the yeah, we yeah. want.
0: It, it it helps remembering it too, like
1: mm-hmm.
0: it, like A. what's special character A? Your mind will probably drift to the at symbol. What's what's a sweet spot for number of characters? Like seven, ten, twelve, fifteen, thirty,
1: twelve. Okay. Um. I've done a lot of research on passwords, which is a little bit dated now because I did it like three years ago, but having three different types of characters, be it uppercase, lowercase um, numbers or digit, uh, digits or symbols, mm-hmm. it's also known as LUDs, having at least three of them in 12 characters is about as secure as having a password that's 16 characters long.
0: So you really start to see diminishing returns after 12 characters? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 That makes sense. Very good. I like that. Any other final advice that you would have about passwords, protecting your password, making it stronger, anything else like that?
1: Uh, offhand, like, try not to share your passwords. <laughs> <laughs> like, that seems really obvious, but it does need to be said, said sometimes. Um, stuff like Netflix, I get it. It happens um i I have fairly distinct like password creation habits for shared accounts like that, yeah, so that yeah, people yeah. don't know my typical like important password, <laughs> but I'm neurotic <laughs> <laughs> but, but,
0: but 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 no, but you do you do bring up a good point of like if you are going to have make an account that has that that it is not necessarily meant to be shared, but is more likely to be shared like Netflix, I think is a very good example of that, of like, yeah, no, somebody, cause you can have up to a certain amount of people on there and mm-hmm. you know if you're going to be sending it, like don't use the same password you use for your like bank account on your Netflix account, you know, like, like that kind of thing might seem obvious, but like, who knows? And, uh, I I think like I personally never thought about that of like, oh yeah, no, like use a very different logic for your password for stuff that is more likely to be shared.
1: Um, it, it doesn't matter for a lot of people, but it does really make you vulnerable to something known as a targeted attack, which is if someone has information about you and is targeting you specifically, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the the more information they have, the easier it is on them to get into your accounts.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, like speaking of like security and the internet and everything else like that, and um, we discussed like Wi-Fi passwords and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Wi-Fi has become like a ubiquitous thing for households. From a like a library perspective, it, basically every single library has Wi-Fi now, like public public Wi-Fi. How secure is Wi-Fi? Like, like if you're on a on a Wi-Fi with You know, however, like, like, let's use a library example of like, you're on a public Wi-Fi with, you know, 20 other people. What's the security like for that?
1: Um, If you are on the same network as someone, you are vulnerable to them. So (laughs) that's what makes it hard. Like a lot of attacks happen surprisingly in coffee shops. Um, if they're just yeah. trying to scrape information, because coffee shops have such high traffic through them,
0: yeah. So you could basically just like if you were a malicious data collector or whatever, you could just sit down at a coffee shop for I don't know, like three hours, connect to the public Wi-Fi, and basically take a whole bunch of people's information as they come in and out. Mm-hmm. Like, would it be something like that, or
1: it is sort of like that? There are protections in place depending on the Wi-Fi protocol. But like people can still see that you're interacting with it, and sometimes they can figure out what you're doing anyway. Mm. Um, and also it it's up to the person who configured the Wi-Fi to sort of protect you from that unless unless you have a VPN.
0: Wow, you're good because guess what I have a. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on YouTube. Man, have I heard so much about this NordVPN thing. (laughs) I've heard so many ads, so many, you know, thank you NordVPN for probably propping up so many YouTubers.
1: Almost as big as Raid.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Actually, like, like, the, the... The best would be hearing, like, a Raid Shadow Legends ad followed up by a NordVPN (laughs) ad. You'd really really get the YouTube experience uh, getting hit with those two back-to-back. I've heard a little bit about VPNs. I've heard they're pretty cool uh, and useful. But I want to get, like, your perspective on it. Uh, I'm a dummy. I don't know what VPNs are. What is a VPN? How useful are they? Are they complicated to set up?
1: They're really not that complicated to set up. Uh, You usually just download them. Um, A lot of them are super user friendly nowadays. So you just download it and then you click on wherever you want to connect to and you'll connect to their servers there. Uh, Most of them do it through uh, what's called a handshake. So they'll encrypt your traffic for you, which is why they protect you on public Wi-Fi. And NordVPN is actually one of the ones that encrypts your traffic. So you will connect from your computer. Instead of what the way Wi-Fi works is you connect to the Wi-Fi and then the Wi-Fi connects you out to wherever you want to go on the internet. Yeah. Um, the way a VPN works is you connect to the Wi-Fi and then go to the server, whatever their server is, and then that server directs you out to the internet. And what that intermediate uh. step does is because you are encrypted to talk to their server... Uh, it will encrypt the traffic going to the Wi-Fi as well, like the router.
0: That's really neat.
1: Dang. Um, another method that you can use to protect yourself on Wi-Fi's is using like Tor browser, which is sort of similar to using a VPN. Honestly, mm-hmm. it just routes it instead of through one server; it routes it through a number of servers who don't know who's talking, like who is talking to them, basically.
0: And so like VPNs and Tor, are they free, paid, sometimes free, sometimes paid? Um,
1: Tor's free for most things. Most VPNs nowadays are free, but I think Nord's paid.
0: I'm pretty sure Nord is paid, yeah.
1: A lot of the ones that encrypt are paid because they, they have server upkeep costs. Um, but Tor is run by volunteers for the most part. Like mm-hmm. you, you can set up a Tor server in your own house if you want people to bounce through <laughs> your.
0: <laughs> that that's pretty cool actually. Uh, yeah.
1: Do you want to know who owns like half of the nodes though? The NSA.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say uh, uh, China, <laughs> the NSA, Russia, <laughs> all three.
1: <laughs> but yeah, Tor is like a privacy thing because it sort of masks where you came from.
0: Yeah, yeah. we've, we've discussed uh, Tor, because one, one of the things that we we talked about in, in the uh, MLIS program is um, like patron privacy and security uh, because libraries are, um, especially for people who are not as affluent, a very useful resource to be able to go in and use computers and have access to the internet and free Wi-Fi and things like that. Uh, But what it comes with that is obviously, like, to an extent, like, collecting patron information. And, um, I mean, when after 9-11 happened, there was a semi-famous case of, uh, was it this, somebody in the, some agency in the government basically trying to go to libraries and ask them to hand over a whole bunch of patron information. And libraries said... Go pound sand. Um, we're not doing that. Uh, and so, um, uh, uh, there there is a uh, a section of like librarianship that focuses very heavily on promoting uh, digital security and privacy and and protecting personal information. Uh, that has been very good to see, which goes hand in hand with also. Uh, section of librarianship, which is very big on um, like open access to information, um, piracy, a little bit. Uh, depends how radical the li- li- uh, librarian is, um, which is, again, one of the reasons why I really wanted to get you on here, is because there is like a big thing where uh, when I was looking for articles for this podcast, I came across several. Articles written by librarians where they talked about like setting up di- uh, privacy workshops where they would teach people like, like a, they could like they were hosting a workshop where people could come in and learn about how to protect themselves online. That's and, awesome. Um, and, and that's one of the things that uh, I want this podcast to, to be is, is like an educational resource of like for librarians to listen to for normal people to listen to of like, here's steps you can take to protect yourself. And it doesn't necessarily need to be super, it doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be, you know uh, necessarily a, um, a big hurdle. Uh, But there are, there are things you can do to protect yourself. Uh, And I'm sure. I don't want everything
1: to sound like super doom and gloom either. Um, Yeah. Oh yeah. You, you can be safe browsing on public Wi-Fi completely. A lot of websites nowadays use um, HTTPS, which is yes. an encrypted protocol. So like people aren't going to be able to read your traffic really um, if you're using HTTPS for anything, but not all websites do, not all websites
0: auto redirect. Yeah. There was a, uh, one, one of the articles actually talked about how a lot of libraries were switching over to HTTPS to make sure that like traffic coming in and out of libraries was secure.
1: Um, There are add-ons you can add to your browser. There's one called HTTPS everywhere, which will just automatically redirect you to HTTPS on every website.
0: But, but yeah, and and absolutely like, you're right. Like it's not, it's not, you know uh, um, there are dangers online, but it's also not like you're not, you're not facing danger everywhere you go. But, but I I think there's definitely much more awareness of the fact that, you know, your personal information is getting harvested and, I think for people who want to protect themselves, knowing what to do or things to keep an eye out for what the r- potential risks are can be very helpful. But you bring up a point, another, man, you're really good at this. Um, <laughs> next question is, we are constantly getting tracked online. What are ways to render us less visible to trackers, getting our data harvested, by companies, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I know, like for Firefox, there's things like plugins that you can use.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, like uh, uh, I use Ghostery.
1: Ghostory is a big one. Um, you could also use Privacy Badger. They're very similar to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can use Adblock, um, Adblock Plus. I don't personally use it, but that's just sort of my own personal vendetta against them. So I use UBlock <laughs> instead. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm, a, a, I'm not sure how relevant it is, but I'm kind of curious what your vendetta against adblock is.
1: Um, they were allowing advertisers to pay to get around their ad blocking.
0: Oh, okay, uh, yeah, I get that. I get that. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, and I wasn't cool with that, so I stopped using them.
0: Damn, I didn't know that. I probably will also stop using them because <laughs> that's really shitty.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, uBlock Danger of uBlock is sometimes some parts of some websites won't work. Mm-hmm. um you can use different browsers firefox has a lot of built-in protection i also previously mentioned tor is mm-hmm. another really good privacy option chrome has a lot of these add-ons too if you really like chrome uh i am not certain about most of the mac ones like i don't know about opera mm-hmm. um edge has a few of these add-ons so i have checked that a lot of it, it honestly is add-ons um When I log into like an account on a website for the first time, um, Mm -hmm. the first thing I do is I immediately go to like privacy settings and I see what's there, what they have me automatically opted into. And I opt out of the stuff that I can or want to opt out of. Yeah. Um, Because we live in a very um, opt out System?
0: (laughs) Well, Uh, I I think that's how a lot of the companies want it, because it's a lot more effort for you to go into the settings and opt out as opposed to opting in.
1: in. The sort of downside is no matter what you do, you will be tracked if you are on that website in particular, though. Mm -hmm. Um, But like if you're on that website and you're using it, it's not as, I think, big of a deal that that website knows what I'm doing on it.
0: As long as it's, it's localized to that website, it's, yeah. it's easier to manage. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, uh, one of the articles talked about, um, browser fingerprinting, mm-hmm. uh, how much you know about this? Like, um, it, it,
1: I know a little bit about browser fr- fingerprinting. There are a bunch of different things to make your browser in particular unique, um, and there are a bunch of things you can do to make it not unique. Uh, I used to have a very big problem with size uniqueness on a lot of my laptops because my laptops were like non-standard screen sizes. So when I maximized oh. my browser window, it would be a certain resolution, which was non-standard, which made, which meant someone could track my browsing based on literally the size of my window. Wow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> <laughs> that that's wild uh yeah i again man learning learning things every day i had no idea you could even do that but i guess like because it's tracking based on uniqueness it would like have information like using browser in certain like resolution or whatever and then
1: yeah there's some things that are Unique, technically, browser fingerprints that are really not going to track you, like the language you're loading things in. Yeah. Um, sometimes fonts can catch people up. There are some fonts that won't load. Uh, for some Comic people. Comic Sans. <laughs>
0: um, but amazed. a lot of
1: times fonts are fine. Uh, yeah. The time of browsing can be tracked, but obviously, if you just only browse during peak hours that's not really much of a traceable thing
0: yeah but like overall browser fingerprinting is like not as like it's not as easy to track people like like basically if somebody was like trying to track you through your browser fingerprint you would have to have some kind of like you kind of like super unique identifier that that would allow you to stand out from all the other information like a different screen size or a strange font or certain times where you're browsing, like that kind of stuff, if I'm understanding it right.
1: Yeah, that's some of it. My browser, actually, my browsing experience tends to be pretty unique because of um, things that my browser doesn't load because I don't let it. <laughs> Which, as you mentioned at the start of the podcast, causes adventures <laughs> of me trying to get things to work sometimes.
0: Yeah, it's always fun when you're just like, oh, oh god, I need to search to a different browser this thing is not agreeing with. What I'm trying to do.
1: For those listening at home, um, I block all JavaScripts on my browser, which is more just a personal thing. Part of it is neuroticism from my job. Part of it is th- because I'm just like that.
0: You're built different.
1: I'm built different. Um, A lot of the tracking happens through JavaScripts.
0: Yeah, because that was actually going to be my, my next question, because I knew there was something special that you did that was would break that stuff, but I couldn't remember exactly what it was. So it's like you block JavaScript, how exactly expand on that?
1: <laughs> um, so, you know, when a page does anything other than like load basic information, like if you hover over something and like a menu drops down.
0: Yeah. 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 That's a
1: JavaScript running. Okay. Um, JavaScript's basically do anything beyond what basic HTML does. So it just like adds functionality. Um, it also does a bunch of stuff in the background, such as harvesting your information and sending that off to, to X advertiser. Fun. Yeah.
0: There is no escape from the. There's giant no eye of Corporations. We need to all become hermits in the woods again. <laughs> so um, yeah. So by yeah. all right. Or well, continue. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt.
1: Uh, there's not really a whole lot. Mod- a lot more to add on to that it's just javascript like i block javascripts because i'm built different and (laughs) uh it also actually it helps me a lot in learning um sort of what javascripts are being loaded where and what new javascripts are on the market which is actually a big part of the reason i do it really um because yeah when the way i use um no script if anyone cares um it'll give you the title of the script that's trying to run that you've blocked from running. So yeah. I can go into the code and like read that script sometimes if it lets me. Um but at least I'll see the title of it and I'll know like, oh, the script is called
0: this. Ah, uh, so you can get it like if you see names that you don't recognize, then it's like, oh, new JavaScript just dropped. Like
1: <laughs> new, new JavaScript dropped. Pick up my single. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But, yeah, uh, it, it's sort of like a curiosity for me. Um, it makes uh, no one ever want to use my computer, which is also a bonus for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I bet.
1: <laughs> Every time my mom has, like, tried to briefly, like, she'll just, like, go to Facebook to, like, show me something on her Facebook. She's like, I can't do this. And I'm like, yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> That's the objective. <laughs> okay okay so yeah that's pretty cool that's pretty cool i i I see i see why you do a lot of the measures you do and you know like i'm I'm learning a lot about this stuff because i i I didn't i didn't know about that
1: you don't have to be as crazy as me about it like privacy badger or ghostry and you block you're pretty much golden
0: Mm. yeah 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 and and that's and that's what i like definitely listeners like these are all uh, uh steps of increasing um severity like you don't need to uh run out and get a vpn and do all this stuff but these are all like options yeah like privacy privacy
1: settings are very kind of like personal um i i'm very willing and actually kind of excited to deal with an unwieldy experience for what i gain from it which is like Mm -hmm. learning about all of these javascripts on the market and having that much more privacy but obviously there are some people that just want like basically their computer to do the thing it tells them to do and not really have to deal with things in which case like block and Ghostery, you're good
0: yeah because they're they're like having used ghostry before it's just you just install it and it works yep it, it like, goes it, it's it's very very easy to use um it's also neat because it will show you i'm pretty sure it will show you all the trackers on any page yeah um as well so if you're like curious about everybody who's trying to take your information you can take a look the next question like in terms of security and stuff viruses are obviously an ever-present danger when you're online of accidentally downloading something that you shouldn't or you know there's trojans viruses I'm sure there's other names that I'm forgetting right now what are the best ways to protect yourself from malicious software trying to embed itself into your computer
1: antivirus usually um so a lot of different there are a bunch of steps so <sighs> email a lot of um email providers have built-in virus scanning just as part of their thing which will scan for malicious attachments so you don't get those browsers similarly tend to have that built in nowadays Nice. Um, so you don't download and run anything malicious and you actually have to like work around them and be like, yes, I want to download this, even though I know it's unsafe. And I know that's annoying, but they're they're legitimately trying to protect you. Yeah. Um, and then sort of like your last line of defense is your antivirus on your own system. Mm-hmm. Um, there are lots of really good antiviruses out there for a lot of different things. Obviously, if you're a corporation, you have different needs than like a person. Uh, Surprisingly, or maybe unsurprisingly, my main recommendation for most people is Windows Defender. Really? Yes. Uh, Windows, Microsoft has been doing really great work in their uh, upgrading their antivirus software for just like the general consumer. And you honestly don't need really anything else. Wow, there was a time where it really wasn't that good and people would get things like Kapersky or AVG and stuff like that. But Microsoft's been doing work and I'm really impressed by just the way their antivirus is working now.
0: Yeah. I, I had no idea that they were, uh, I, I always kind of viewed that as like the last, last, last line of defense. Uh, uh obviously knowing very little about computer uh, protection. um. I had no idea that Microsoft was has really stepped up their game in terms of computer security.
1: Yeah, when Windows 10 came out, they just like really w- went hard on security and made a really solid antivirus for the average person. Nice proud of them for that also if you downloaded another antivirus and installed it it's probably going to work fine but also it disables your windows antivirus
0: so really i had no yeah. idea that's how that uh, worked
1: they n- almost never uh play well together so the new one will always shut off the old one to make sure it doesn't block them for any reason <laughs> huh <sighs> Love that's
0: that. also something that would have been good to know
1: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs>
0: Um, in terms of like stuff other than Microsoft, is there anything like pre, like say you're like, man, I want a premium protection, anything that's better than Microsoft or is it honestly just like stick with their stick with windows?
1: If you really want premium, you're going to have to pay for it. And antivirus is really expensive. (laughs) 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 Um, so, um, like F secure is pretty good um avg if you pay for it is really good i hear but i actually don't have much experience with it personally Mm -hmm. what are some other ones uh i'm drawing a blank right now
0: yeah uh, honestly it was just more like to get an idea of if they're like like kind of what the market looks like in terms of like is there any like standouts but you sounded pretty pretty uh firm about the like nah w- windows defender is pretty good <laughs>
1: windows Defender is like surprisingly yeah. good
0: and and i imagine like yeah like from the perspective of an average person that's really i guess like all you really need
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh i guess uh, uh one additional question i was just thinking about was you get a bad i don't know like virus on your computer or like ransomware attack or whatever. What are some steps you can take to uh, resolve that situation?
1: Uh, uh, It kind of depends on the severity of it. Uh, Some viruses are just going to like mess up some parts of your computer. Um, If you have your antivirus installed properly, it'll do its best to quarantine it as fast as it can. Mm -hmm. If it quarantines it, then you're usually pretty good. Um, If you're still concerned, you can take it to like a computer shop. Mm-hmm. And usually they'll have someone who can sort of help you. If it's like a ransomware, eh. a <laughs> uh, fun fact about ransomware even if you pay, they don't have to give you back your computer. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I actually have a, <laughs> a, a story about ransomware. A friend of mine got hit by a ransomware attack several years ago, several, several years ago. Uh, this was before I even went to university. It told him that the local OPP had found that he had been browsing legal sites or something like that. And he had to, here's a PayPal link <laughs> and stuff the like OPP that. The OPP his
1: PayPal? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And he was, I think this was like his first experience with something like this. And like, I had never heard about this either. And he like called me. He was my next door neighbor, and he was like on the verge of tears. He's like, I don't know, I don't know what's going on. I'm like, playing. I was like, bring, bring your laptop over. Like, cause, like, like I was listening to this, and I was like, the OPP is not going to remotely lock down your computer <laughs> and then say pay us through PayPal. That's what
1: they can't. So, just, just a heads it, up, guys. Like they, they don't have the ability to do that.
0: Yeah. So he brought his laptop over, and I remember basically the. Only way I could, uh, I needed to try to load in antivirus software on his computer, but before the ransomware lock would like lock it down on startup, and I think I needed to boot. If I remember correctly, I booted into safe mode, and I had to like do a couple clicks or inputs like instantly in order to like launch the antivirus before other stuff happened. I can't remember the specifics because it's been so long ago, but it was like had to be like a very quick sequence of events before the computer was locked down, and thankfully I managed to clear as computer but yeah that was uh that that sucked to see and that's you know thankfully the only time i've seen a ransomware attack finger crossed you know never happens to me because those things suck based on what i've seen um but yes, uh, uh, you're absolutely correct. Like Hackers have no obligation to you to like, be like, well, guys, they gave him, they PayPal'd us the money. I guess we have to unlock his computer. Like, they no.
1: they usually will because they uh, don't want to get a reputation as someone who doesn't yeah. give you back your computer. Because then no one's going to, they're just going to go to a computer shop and wipe their computer, which is surefire way to get rid of it i was
0: gonna say holding somebody ransom stops working very well when you keep shooting the hostages <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> um i had a an experience with uh one of my friend's parents who is uh, older falling mm. for a fishing campaign and yeah i i just remember like my friend calling me being like can you come over like now <laughs> <laughs> and I went over there and it, it sometimes it is just a matter of speed because they had some kind of like desktop viewer um on the computer and i just couldn't delete it because it was running obviously so i would shut yeah. it down in task manager and delete it <laughs> 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 before it got to boot back up again because it obviously tries to auto restart yeah it wants to keep running
0: yes yes it never wants to shut down because if it gets shut down it's easier for us to delete it
1: yeah. So sometimes it doesn't <laughs> matter of speed. If you are legitimately concerned, um, like computer shops do deal with viruses generally. And yeah, it costs money and it sucks, but
0: it's better than losing yeah, everything losing on your everything. computer.
1: And even if they can't get it off like if it is like a ransom uh, situation, they they'll try their best to get whatever they can for you.
0: Yeah. They give you like the options. Drive. Yeah. They, they are professionals and in, in dealing with those situations and it's like, yeah, like computers are a piece of machinery and they need upkeep. And sometimes that means things break or maliciously broken into, and you need to pay the money to fix it. And it's just kind of a part of owning it. Uh, it's unfortunate. It sucks, but that's one of the reasons why protecting yourself is so important is to mm-hmm. avoid those like last resort situations. We're approaching the end of our time, so I just want to ask any final piece of advice, things that we didn't talk about, vulnerabilities that, or, you know, risks of, you know, protecting your privacy and your information uh, that you would like to speak about? The floor is open.
1: Oh, giving me open-endedness. I'm the worst with this. <laughs> um... I just i kind of like really want to like emphasize it's not all doom and gloom um this is, may sound weird but it's unlikely that you are important enough to be directly targeted for any reason <laughs> yeah. um and if you're not directly targeted then the best thing you can do is just be as annoying as possible to attack because then no one's going to bother wasting their time dealing with you they've got easier targets
0: yeah the, these guys want to get as much volume as they can. They don't care about the individual they want this is numbers. something I
1: have a hard time like explaining to some of my clients at work is um if someone is trying explicitly to hack you, they'll get in eventually.
0: There's basically like like just because security is so difficult
1: well, like, there's been times where uh, like we've redone a test for a client, a penetration test for a client. And they're mm-hmm. just like, this finding wasn't here last year. I'm like, yeah, this vulnerability didn't exist last year.
0: I see. Cause because computers are obviously always shifting and it's like an arms race between defense and offense. There's no way to be perfectly protected all the time because new vulnerabilities open up. Cause, cause one thing like, like I, I'm not sure if you agree or not, but like one thing that I've heard is that like, in computer security, offense is so much easier than defense.
1: Uh, Yeah, in general. Because you only have to get in... You only have to find, like, one vulnerability to get in. Mm-hmm. But you have to defend against hundreds of thousands of vulnerabilities if you're on the defense. Yeah. Um but another side of it which is part of the reason why I work on the offensive side of it is you can defend against anything you can break.
0: Yeah, and that and that's why ethical hackers exist is like to find those vulnerabilities first and then fix them.
1: Yep. That's what I do.
0: <laughs> You're doing a great service.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I guess like the uh TLDR of this episode is be annoying as hell to hack.
1: <laughs> yeah, just just make it frustrating to to try and hack into you.
0: So, um, yeah, no, uh, I want to thank you so much for you know coming on onto this uh, onto this episode. I've learned a lot uh, <laughs> from you, and it was really nice to be able to uh, pick your brain for all your knowledge. Uh, because, like like I said in this program, we've we've talked a bunch about like privacy and and um, the internet and technology and so on so it was really nice to be able to like I was like you know what you know whose perspective would be really great to hear is like somebody who deals very closely in computer security and like almost always has and kind of find out you know what 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 are the steps you can take what are the risks and things like that and I think this episode's been very informative Um, so thank you so much for coming on
1: thank you for having
0: me it's a good time, and who knows? Maybe we'll do this again in in a, in a few years as new vulnerabilities and technology comes out because I'm sure like everything is always is always changing for you in your in your field of like what is secure, what is not secure.
1: Oh yeah, all the time. <laughs> so.
0: All right, yeah, thank you so much. and thank you for listening everybody, to this episode. Catch you next time.
1: Bye. been another episode of So What,
0: the podcast about library and information science research and why it matters.
1: So What is created and produced by students at the Faculty of Information and Media Studies at Western University in London, Ontario.
0: Find us online at
1: sowhat.fims.uwo.ca.